You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. Joining me now is someone who probably doesn't need much introduction, but he's famous from his YouTube channel, The Dime Drop. You can find him now at The Ringer. Uh, everyone, it's James Mann. James, how are you doing today? Doing, doing fine. You can call me. You can call me Kyle. My, you know, really, I don't think there's anybody that calls me James. I just went off your Zoom name. I wanted to be a little, little, little professional. Then we'll we'll degrade as the conversation goes on. Well, I appreciate the respect. Yeah, that's uh, very formal and courteous of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I no problem. But I have to ask, <laughs> as we have a few buddies who cover the draft, I'm sure you've interacted with plenty of them because you know draft Twitter is a is a uh, very tight knit community. That it is. That so, it is. So I am curious. How burnt out are you covering this particular draft class after so many delays of the draft? Well, I'm not as burnt. You know, I've had this conversation with a few different people, like, um, you know, just across the board. Um, I'm not as burnt out because I haven't been, and I, I got my channel started. Draft's always kind of been my thing, and I got started as in the draft world. But uh, ever since I started doing this full time, I've really kind of transitioned to a lot of other subjects, um, whether it's historical or just, um, you know, the NBA at large and the, you know, teams and things like that, or just movements within the game over the years. So I haven't really been as just inundated with it nonstop. So I've kind of been checking back in. I had a lot of research that I had done, you know, a year ago, two years ago, some of these guys up been following for three four years um so i kind of checked back in with it when the season was over so i'm not as burnt out just to answer your question not as much as some people are but i'm definitely ready to move on and boy we're gonna get that here in the next month it's gonna be moving on really fast so no it really has been it's it's, isn't it weird to think that the nba season wrapped up like it did in orlando and then there wasn't really a hard set plan yet but they're kind of hovering around the idea december 22nd and then they snap that into place and now they're like all right you got two three weeks to really just condense as much as you can with the draft and free agency and the start of camp like how do you how do you feel about that process because chris and i have different feelings on it where i think it's a little bit it's going to be weird it's going to be hectic it's going to be chaotic but at the same time i think it's just exciting to have the full league back as well it is exciting to have it back one thing i would say is just that you know the bubble was great there's some trade-offs some of this is kind of you know what was me you know we're doing we're covering a sport guys are playing a sport you know you you want those guys and I understand that they want to have preparation and then and that's all really important somebody my buddy Dave before brought up the point that you know some of these rookies are only going to get like a, a few weeks to get acclimated to the the professional setup and that's tough you know that that stinks uh, but you know and then on the other hand, I've heard a lot of media people talk about how 
having the tournament kind of style was fun at first with the bubble where we had games every day during the day. And it was just kind of, you know, I had multiple screens going at different times, which I love that kind of thing, but it was a little relentless. So to kind of cram it, I know collectively among the people who kind of cover the NBA, um, the pace of it was a lot. Like, I, I don't know a year of that, or if, we, if we're going to jump right back to that, I think that's kind of the collective um, sigh that you're hearing among people whenever they see that start date. I, I think the mm-hmm. fans are kind of like, sure, we'll take basketball, but you know, um, getting rested is important too. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. I think you and I are on the same page. I, 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 I cover the Cavs on a day-to-day basis. And I remember back when they blew a game they should have won against Chicago. I was so done with covering this team. I'm like, that's it. This this team, this season's just been a wash. It's been weird with Bayline. It's been weird with just so many different things going on at once. With, I mean, even Kevin, I, I forget Kevin Love told Kobe Altman, I have enough money, so go ahead and find me. Like, it was just a series of unfortunate events for Cleveland. But, you know, it's the team tweeted out the other day. It's been almost 300 days since they played basketball. And I said, wow. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I miss it. I'm ready for it to be back. So I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it, which will be a good time for sure. Well, that's the other wrinkle of this. Yeah, as people forget that, you know, the teams that didn't go to the bubble have really been twiddling their thumbs. You know, mm-hmm. people that went are kind of just like, oh, Jesus, like we're really going back. But that's a good point with the 300 days. I, I hadn't really even considered that. No, it's super wild to think. And like you said, you have been preparing notes on draft these prospects for a while for this draft class. And I just have to ask you as an outside question, um, do you think it's as lackluster as everyone has made it out to be? Because if you really look at it, you could find some rotational pieces in the middle of this draft. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of home run players or Zion Williamson type prospects. I mean, if you're, if you need to hit a home run, maybe I could see where, or if you had picks that you kind of lined up for this draft, that's all kind of, hard to keep track of all those machinations and like charts is really John the charts is really good at keeping track of that stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, if you traded, uh, made some kind of a deal and I got some assets in this draft, I could see where it would be frustrating if, if it didn't kind of line up with your plans. That's kind of the crap shoot of the year over year thing. You know, every class is different. Um, I think the smart teams are going to be in a position. It's always like this, but I think especially this year, the smart teams are going to be in a position to kind of thread the needle um, and pick up some rotational pieces because stars are, you know, they're only part of the puzzle. You know, you really need those guys who I've said that I think there's really only two, maybe three offensive like playoff level potential offensive ones in this draft, like first options, which I think is like, you know, Anthony Edwards has the talent. Killian Hayes possibly has the talent to be that type of person. Um, But yeah, rotation pieces are really, really important. I think there's some really solid rotation pieces in this draft. Um, You know, maybe it's not as top heavy as like a 2018. Few drafts are, um, but I think you're right. I definitely think they're valuable rotation pieces to be had. No, for sure. And I'm glad we're kind of on the same page. I think as I started to sink my teeth more into this and I, I jokingly tell people like I pretend I'm an expert, but it's really I speak to people like you or the Trevor Magnotti's of the world or Dave Dufour's of the world. Where I'm like, OK, well, 
tell me about this prospect. And then I really like just sink my teeth in their content. And I think I have a better familiarity with it, but one of the more polarizing guys, especially like talking to some people who are in the weirder hemispheres of draft Twitter, how do you feel about James Wiseman and of the 30 teams in the league, who do you think is the best fit for him? Oh yeah. Wiseman's tough. Cause I think he's kind of, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I think Wiseman is probably number one. Like, and we're not even really discussing it all that much. I mean, I know 15 years ago, if you can get a rim running guy that can run jump, jump dunk, um, which is still valuable. It's just, you know, what, what do we expect from him? Like if you James Wiseman with, you know, really competent, heavy low, pick and roll type of creator like I, I'm trying to think of the top that he could even be paired with in that capacity um, in a limited role I think that he could be efficient but it's kind of like I don't know I'm, I'm not as down on why I think that I would go number one with him I, I think that he's probably sort of like a third like a third star type I think people kind of get hung up on the RSCI which is just kind of the composite high school ranking thing for people who maybe don't follow that um people people look at that label and they say okay well that this they let that kind of define their expectation of the person you were talking about you know is this draft bad um you know year to year the player that is at the third spot the player that's at the fifth spot it's not the exact same expectation level every single time so i think that when people started picking apart wiseman well yeah he's got some blemishes this class is not as strong as some of the other ones that we've had um, I think he's a guy that could have value. I'm not convinced that I don't think that he's going to be like an all-star type player. I think that he's probably his, to me, his, his sort of expectation is somewhere around like starter. You know, I think that he's, he's probably going to be like, just like a average starter. That's kind of my, what I think. I, I don't really expect him to be a star, um, but that's, that's kind of where I am right now with him. Hey guys, Chris and I will be right back with our interview with the Riggers' J. Kyle Mann, but first, I wanted to let you know about a special project going on on Locked On NBA Podcast. The NBA Draft is days away, and the Locked On NBA Podcast is mock drafting every first-round pick. I had the honor, along with Chris, to be picking on behalf of the Cavs and Locked On Cavs as a whole. If you want to figure out who we picked, along with our analysis and what the draft experts on Locked On NBA think, give Wednesday's show a listen where we select our player with the fifth overall pick. As always, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, the Athletics' John Hollinger, and Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA today, wherever you get a podcast. The sponsor for today's episode of Locked On Cavs is Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. But now you're probably wondering, how does Bilko work so well? Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff literally makes you look better. Bilko is also loaded with the good stuff to ignite my work, such as beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. It also has the... Uh, 
an enriched amount of vitamins to keep me going strong throughout the day, including B6 and a 10,000% of your daily percentage necessary of B12. At this point, you have to be interested. And for our listeners, visit bilco.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilco.com. Let's go. No, I absolutely agree. I think, I, yeah, I, I think he's not going to be as bad as people make him out to be, which is, I don't know, I think it's just a little unfair that people are so easily ready to write off all these prospects because they're just kids and they still have time to develop. But like you said, I think a rotational piece or a third star is a realistic thing, but not like a, a – I remember Chris Bosch was a comparison that got thrown around really early into this whole process, and that made me raise an eyebrow. And uh, I just know nah, a lot. Of, a I, lot of, yeah. <laughs> nah, Bosch was – if you go back and watch – Specifically, if you go back, and I did this recently because I did that video on LeBron. I was kind of going back and <clears throat> watching, excuse me, uh, go back and watching some of those guys earlier in their career, like some of LeBron's teammates, just to kind of get a grasp on their arc. And this is, well, th- you know, this will be constructed just to give an idea of what Wiseman's like. Like, you know, Wiseman's a lot more raw. Like, Bosch was a very, like, intuitive, smart, could face you up from 15 feet, hit a jumper get to the rim, get fouled. Um, you know, he became a jump shooter later in his career. Now, Wiseman's face-up game is growing. I feel like people have kind of discredited him in that sense. Like, I don't think that he's ever going to be like a shooter from distance with movement. Um, but I definitely think he's the kind of guy that, like, catch and shoot unbothered. You know, he could he could shoot in the, you know, low to mid-30s in his career from three. I could I could see him getting there. No, for sure, and I, I, I think that's definitely plausible, and it's just interesting to see how his development goes, and it ultimately depends on who he ends up with. But speaking of big men, just looking at the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of traditional – There's not a lot, I should say, but there's a handful of traditional big men in this class. Who do you think out of the prospects, Sands Wiseman, since we've already touched on him enough, who do you think is most likely to carve out a useful time in an NBA rotation? Big guys, I, th- I think um, I kind of went on like a super rant about about this on the uh, 10 questions video that we did on the ringer, but we ended up cutting some of it for time. But um, I think there are only a couple guys that could end up being like defensive anchor types in this draft. I think the most likely player to be a defensive anchor on like a playoff team is Onyeka Kongwu. I don't really feel like it's close. Um, he's positionally a really just a really smart kid um he's i don't think that he's quite got the twitch athleticism that that a bam autobio has people bring that one up over and over again his his gait and pace are a little slower like if you want to compare physically the way he moves to me he moves a little bit more like peak kind of tristan thompson actually you know a little stronger in his hips um but a guy that has really incredible hands if you watch him um he can really get in the middle of of a of a crowd and come away with the ball i like that quality and a guy catches things he just catches really well runs well really cerebral like we talked about which is a, is a premium in today's game um in terms of you know i, I really will loop jalen smith in here he's a guy that is going to be a little later than you guys are going to be picking but he's somebody that has defensive or versatility which i think the Cavs really need the Cavs are just i mean you you know this but 
they're just sort of a, a lump of clay. You know, this could go a lot of directions. Oh, I feel yeah. like they should probably, if they, if they have a really, really good feel on a prospect and they think that this guy is going to develop, they should probably just take him because the, you know, they're a team that can make moves. They're a team that, you know, needs to, they don't have personnel to me that is like strong implication. This is where we're going. Um, but those two big guys, I like a lot. You know, you got your runners and jumpers like Precious Achua, who I think is sort of a more of a defined role type of guy. Uh, Pokusevsky, I think, is not necessarily what you're talking about. He's a little bit more of a we have a system in place. We're going to bring you along slowly type of guy. Um, but those those are the first few that kind of come to mind in terms of the, uh, the big guys. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Cavs. And like you said, they are. That's, a, that's actually a compliment when you say they're a lump of clay because I think they're a mess defensively. And I think that's you think shit. they're a lump of shit is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a better way to put it. I think um, maybe we need a little bit more of your positivity around here, but it's just looking at these draft prospects and one name that keeps popping up with Cleveland that is raising a couple red flags in my mind because just to give you a little context, J.B. Bickerstaff has shared with the media that the team needs to focus more on their defensive identity and build some type of sustainable defensive identity. And clearly they don't really have much personnel on their roster at the moment to do that. And then we had Lindsay Gottlieb on the show and she shared with us like, yeah, no, that was one of our biggest focus is, is defensive versatility and becoming a solid defensive team. So we're not historically bad for another season and so it's not three seasons in a row but Obi Toppin's name keeps popping up with the Cavs and um, he actually had media availability a little before we recorded this and he he straight up told the cat he straight up told the media that one of the things he showcased in his workout was his defensive versatility and that's something that he's been working on but I guess I should ask you as somebody who probably has studied a lot of Obi tape because it's what you do for a living. How do you feel about Obi Toppin going to the Cavs? Because I think it's a, I mean, not even just that, like defensively it's a terrible fit, but they have Kevin Love and Larry Nance established in there as well before. And he's going to be really struggling to find minutes in Cleveland. And just the more I lay this out, the more frustrated I get with the pick, but I'm trying to find somehow some way to sell myself on Obi Toppin going to the Cavs. Well, I guess the question you would have to ask first is how solidified do we think the roster is going forward? I mean, I know you probably monitor the potential transactions closer than I do. I mean, yeah. do, do are we for sure that those people are going to be there in front of Obi? Uh, I would say Kevin Love is likely more is a more likely trade candidate when it comes to mm-hmm. Cleveland. I do think the Cavs are very high on Larry Nance just as a versatile player and i know like zach lowe's reported that nance's name has come up in trade talks and everything else just across the league which i think it's some players are saying it's a compliment because larry nance is saying that he's not going anywhere but i also just think because of nance's namesake and the fact that his dad is a huge part of the franchise's legacy i think he has a lot of ammunition to stay in cleveland so maybe if they mm-hmm. trade love it opens up a destination for Toppin. but the problem is with love his contract isn't very desirable across the league unless the Cavs attach assets to it and i don't know if cleveland's quick to do that as a team that's rebuilding and trying to accumulate assets at this time yeah it's tough because like we said there's sort of a lack you talked about identity you know on both sides of the ball you know the Cavs were it's statistically, I mean, just going by synergy, the worst defensive team in, in the NBA last year, um, yeah. like just bad in a lot of aspects, really bad in the aspects of, um, 
you know, when people talk about defensive versatility, you know, if you, if you're just kind of casually following along at home, basically the three biggest aspects of basketball right now sit like this sort of flux capacitor from, that's the way I always look at it. Like it's this big cycle of things that work together, like a cylinder and an engine. and, And it's like ball pressure downhill and, and then three point shooting. And if you can't affect ball pressure, and switch in the space between and be disruptive or close gaps quickly or funnel people where you need them to go, you're going to struggle to, well, if you can't stop the ball, you're just not going to be able to guard the three point line and the Cavs are kind of have all those problems. So I kind of think that they really need to lean into finding a guy who is can shoot, can shoot number one, but, but more of a priority is just switchability, quick, long, strong, like can, can body rollers can kind of get out the three point shooters. I feel like a Coro makes a lot more sense in that sense. Um, I think, you know, Vassell is another guy that I would consider um, might be a little high to take Vassell. Um, Pat Williams is a guy that people have been talking about a lot. Pat Williams, good culture guy, you know, um, there, there, there are a few guys like that in, in that range that I think could really help them out. That's where I would lean personally. Obi. Obi's older now. I, I don't. I don't dislike Obi. It's just kind of a fit conversation here. Um, I would, but I would lean more towards the the athletic switchable wing, and hopefully they can shoot. Of course, everybody wants those guys. Yeah, I think everyone does want the a guy like that, <laughs> especially because I mean, you got the Boston's of the world who've built this template of wings like that and then you try to contain three-point bombs away teams like golden state or will be back or houston depending on what they do of course but uh, it's funny you mentioned a because i actually do want to ask you about that um the Cavs believe like he's not a broken shooter because i remember when i was first looking into him i was afraid and they said like oh he's not a very good shooter i'm like oh was his shot broken like it's it's not broken it just needs a few tweaks and adjustments and it's been reported at this point, and I've heard it as well, the Cavs believe that if they did take a Coro, that they could fix his shot and, and just improve him as a shooter. Do you think that's possible, or do you think maybe Cleveland fans should temper their expectations a little bit more so? Look at the defensive upside of an Isaac Okoro with who has a bit of a solid handle and does have potential as a shooter, but maybe don't expect him to be lights out, even though Cleveland has a few examples of players they've turned into competent shooters like Colin Sexton or Jetty Osmond. And I mean, Larry Nance Jr. Shot threes while he was with Wyoming as he shared with me, but like Cleveland has encouraged him to shoot it as well. So the Cavs do have a track record of encouraging players and helping them become better three point shooters. But just to, this is getting a little long winded here. How do you feel about a potential as a shooter? I think it depends on your expectations of him. I mean, if you look at a guy, if you look at sort of like nuclear athletes that come out of college that are, you know, smarter, smarter players that you kind of have, it it really just comes down to the work, honestly. Uh, You know, if a person has, and and the self-awareness, you know, some guys come in and they think they're fine. They don't put in the work. Some guys come in and they have sort of um, an appetite to improve and they do. And that sense, the NBA is is like anything else in life but I, I think of a guy like Jalen Brown who came in as like a similar sort of a person who was uh, a little bit of like a clumsy you know really really strong lower body similar to Okoro um, a great athlete um, 
And he improved his shooting, or he has. You know, I, I don't necessarily love it, but uh, like I said, it, it just comes down to you're not going to be expecting a Coro to be like a shot creator. And, you know, most likely he's going to be sort of going, uh, rotating off ball off of uh, Garland and Sexton together. I could see that. Um, but, you know, the, the main thing is that they just they need somebody like that, in my opinion. You know, especially, I, I don't know, I don't have the, the minutes in front of me, but especially if they want to kind of play those guys together. I mean, are there any, are there any trade kind of possibilities with Sexton or Garland right now? Well, it's kind of funny. You mentioned that. I think this time last year when Cleveland was really just frustrating under John Bailey after they had a little bit of that, I don't know, Renaissance era as John Bailey called it, where they were, they looked like a solid enough team and they were beating teams that weren't necessarily in shape. And then the the wheels just kind of came off the wagon. Um, they said Garland wasn't available, but I think Sexton has really played himself into that conversation where he may not be unavailable where he may no longer be available in trade talks. But I do think Cleveland needs to be cognizant of the fact that he is extension eligible next year. And maybe they don't feel comfortable committing a bunch of money to a player that may shake out as a six man long-term, but I haven't really seen anything at this point. Cleveland kind of play is an organization that plays with their cards close to their vest. But at this point, when it comes to available assets, it's really Dante Exum's expiring contract always pops up. And then it's Andre Drummond and Kevin Love where the Cavs are trying to maximize their assets, but also try and remain competitive at the same time in such a small market like Cleveland. It's, it's, it's a fine line. They have to walk, but, in terms of Sexton and Garland, I don't think either is available, but I also wouldn't be surprised if their names started popping up in trade talks, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, rounding back to your – circling back to your answer, I mean, or your question, yes, with – you know, like with anything, with with measured expectations, I, I think nobody's, like, totally hopeless. Maybe not nobody. But, I mean, if you, if you look at a guy like, I mean, Brandon Clark, I mean, you look what, how he was shooting the ball a few years ago. And Okoro's younger and further ahead in that sense. So, yeah, it comes down to the person and the people teaching him and the self-awareness. I, I think that he could turn into, you know, at least a passable three-point shooter. If he's good enough defensively, um, we know he likes to get to the rack, strong as an ox. Um, eventually, I could see him a guy that gets, gets to the foul line, maybe add some creation. Um, I, I like Okoro personally. No, he, you saying that, gets you in the front of the pod category pretty easily because we're big Isaac Okoro fans on this show, just, just from his defensive ability alone, because he's not the immediate solution to a lot of Cleveland's problems, but he is part of what would make things better for them defensively for sure. But I am curious because actually I got introduced to your content when I first watched your Colin Sexton video, when his name started popping up with the Cavs and it gave a good breakdown on it. And I am curious now that we're a year and a half into Colin's career since the season was cut short for Cleveland. Are you surprised by his growth offensively? Cause I remember coming out of Alabama, like the, the consensus was he's not a great three point shooter, but he's really just worked his ass off to get to this point. And I'm just, I don't know. I pleasantly surprised and I'm happy to eat crow on his growth, but I should ask you as somebody who covers these guys early on into their careers and you still watch them from afar. Like, are you surprised by his growth? Well, I mean, the reputation that he had was that he was just dogged. Like, that was a word that came up. You know, that was one of the sort of um, superlatives that you could attach to his name. Um, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I never was the type of person that would uh, fawn over him. Um, yeah, 
I was just kind of in the middle, you know, I, I really kind of expected him to play more of a role like you were talking about, like on, on a top level team, who is, who is uh, Colin Sexton probably in that like mid rotation type guy, you mm-hmm. know, um, especially the way the NBA is changing today. You know, if you're going to be a ball dominant, um, or ch- not, not changing changed um, or just continue uh, whatever, but it's, it's continuing to go in a direction where if you're a ball dominant guy and you're in that like six, one, six, two, six, three range, you know, you need to be, you need to be able to dribble shoot. You're going to need to be able to have some creation, um, you know, and that those were the kind of glaring questions about him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's got enough credit for how much he's improved to be honest. Cause I think that the tide has shifted fairly slowly on what you're talking about. If you look at his, numbers now granted they're on a they're on a bad team uh but his growth has been if you read between the lines uh encouraging so i I don't know that my forecast for who he is has shifted much but um you know that's good enough for him to hang around in the nba either way no i I think you and i are the same page as that regard and i wish you the best when Cavs fans start blowing you up saying how dare you suggest uh Colin Sexton is a six man long term. It's a, it's a, it's, it's never a fun time whenever I float that idea out there and then people act personally offended on Colin's behalf that, I don't know. I don't think it's a slight. I don't think it's a slight. No, not. Well, you got to understand too that like six man on a team that's the worst, you know, offensive and defensive team in the league. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're they're near the bottom in offense. And then you talk about a team that's like at the top. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about, okay, a team that could win a title. What is he on the Cavs? No. Yeah. He's most likely going to start, get a lot more touches, but context is, uh, is everything I've offended all kinds of people, man. I'm starting to get used to it. So don't worry about it. <laughs> no. I'm glad you feel that way, but I think that's going to have to do it for us today. Uh, Kyle, not James Kyle. I really appreciate your time before I let you go. I'm sure most of our listeners are following you at this point, but tell everyone where they can find you. And if there's anything you want to plug, um, you did an excellent video on Denny Avia recently. And like you said, you've been doing a lot of draft work with the rigor and just, yeah, no plug any of your work. Be feel free to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I have been doing the video stuff. I had the Denny Avia video that came out a couple weeks ago, 10 days ago, something like that. You can check that one out. That's on the ringers YouTube channel. That's where all my stuff is. And then I have, uh, a Lamella Ball video, actually. That that's uh, I think it's the second time I've said that publicly, but yeah, it's going to be coming out here this week, most likely. And I'm going to be on the Ringer on the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Byrne and talking draft later this week. And then we're going to have all Ringer. So check it out and follow me at J Kyle Man. Oh, for real. Please file follow Kyle. I almost said file because the two words merge together in my brain, which is always fun. But no, please give him a follow. Check out his content. I'm super stoked for that Lamelo Ball video because he's another player that's interesting to look at from afar. But as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Go Cavs. Black Lives Matter. Please wear a mask and practice proper social distancing. And Chris and I will be back later this week with more draft content.